WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. This is James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden on this Tuesday. It's November 21st. WABC Time Check is 5.01 right now, sponsored by Belova Watches. And let's get you your Ramsey Mazda three-day weather forecast to kick things off. Partly cloudy around the tri-state this morning, increasing cloud cover as we go, getting up to 51 degrees later today. And later tonight, expect some rain. A little warmer as we get into Wednesday. Tomorrow, a 40% chance of rain during the morning. And that'll be an impact on the commute and the drive around the tri-state and the drive around the entire nation, really, as people are traveling for Thanksgiving. Strong wind gusts expected tomorrow, getting up to 23 miles per hour. And then for Thanksgiving Day, mostly sunny, the high near 52. Black Friday, mostly sunny, topping out at 49. 34 degrees right now in Midtown Manhattan. 33 in Watchung, New Jersey. 35 in Manhasset on Long Island. And that's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So we are getting close to Thanksgiving here, and I'll be busy frying turkeys on Thursday, something I always wanted to do as a kid. Like, I would always tell my mom, like, Mom, we got to deep fry the turkeys. Everybody says it's great. And, of course, she would always get offended because she'd say, what's the problem? You don't like my roasted turkey? You don't like the turkey I cook in the oven? And it was very good. It was amazing. It was not dry, and it made the house smell great. You you wake up to that smell of the roasting turkey, it's amazing. But I was very into the idea of deep frying. And my mom would always say, okay, well, when you have your own house, you can deep fry your own turkeys. And so that's what I do. And I really enjoy the vibe. It's like a gathering place out there on the driveway with the, the big oil pot, and you're getting it hot, and you're, you're, you're cooking the turkeys. It starts to smell really good out there. And you start early, right, because it takes about an hour and a half to heat up the oil. Cooking the bird itself only takes about 45 minutes, actually, once you're doing the, when you get the um, oil really hot. And we're doing three birds. Now, the key is you have to really slowly put the bird in because that oil wants to kind of like spill over the side. Very, very slowly, almost impossibly slowly, you put the bird in. And we'll probably get the first one in around 9 a.m. on Thursday morning. And like I said, it smells great out there. People come out to gather and discuss. You're kind of like, you know, getting into the, the day of it, the food, the celebration. Smell that. Yeah. <laughs> See, Lou can already oh. smell the turkey as we're cooking it here. <laughs> and Justin wants some, I think, though. So uh, one thing I should say is I saw this online. I'm obligated to mention it. To keep everybody safe, if you are going to be frying a turkey for Thanksgiving, there's a few things you have to do. One should seem obvious, but it's true. Fry outdoors. Um, unless you got one of those electric ones that kind of does it on the the top, the countertop, whatever. Leave that out of it. But fry it outdoors if you have a burner. You also have to thaw the turkey completely and dry it completely. You can't put a wet turkey into that oil. You'll cause yourself all kinds of problems. And you really want one of those good monitors, temperature, thermometers, so that you can kind of keep track of the oil level throughout. And they also say you should always have a fire extinguisher ready, which is good advice. All right, so... As we come up against the Thanksgiving holiday, it is Tuesday, November 21st, and so much of this week is about the travel, and I never really had to do that in my lifetime. You know, like, we always hosted Thanksgiving with my parents' house, or maybe we'd go over to my grandmother's, which is just in one town over, so I never really had to do much travel. I guess in college would have been the time I was most consistently hitting the road for Thanksgiving, and of course, the bad weather 
that we're going to have over the next couple of days will be a factor in this travel season here. 77 WABC weather alerts. And New York City is under a travel advisory. The city's emergency management department issued the advisory covering today and tomorrow. Of course, the busiest travel days of the year, basically, and you get a storm. Heavy rains, strong winds overnight into Wednesday could cause minor flooding in low-lying areas, and that could pose a threat to people in basement apartments. New Yorkers asked to consider mass transit if they're going to be moving around the five boroughs or out to Long Island or New Jersey when uh, traveling for Thanksgiving here. Leave extra time for your travels. And then, you know, the city of emergency management says check on anybody who might need assistance when the storms get bad, including seniors, animals, and people in basement apartments. 30 million travelers expected to pass through the nation's airports by the end of this week. And Georgia's federal security director, Robert Spinden, says the goal is to keep wait times at those TSA checkpoints to 30 minutes or less. And we're going to see some very heavy days. The Sunday after Thanksgiving is projected to be at 2.9 million passengers, which could be an all-time record for us if, if we see that projection come to fruition. So it's just another good tool that people can look as they plan out their day. But keep in mind that those wait times can change rapidly, and so it may show 10 minutes now, but in the next hour it could be different. Yeah, he's talking about how you can check the wait times online, um, and Spindon says the TSA, in his opinion, is better prepared this Thanksgiving than in years prior because recent contract agreements have led to a 2% increase in staffing levels. And so our staffing is actually up about 1.7% this Thanksgiving. So we're prepared for the, for the busy holiday. And that said, I know there's plenty of travelers around the nation that have packed their patients, or at least tried to. Oh, we're going to Hawaii, so uh, we have no concerns at all. <laughs> Everything's been very smooth. So far, so good. Everything is on time. I imagine there'll be a few, but I'll just roll with it. So if there was going to be a theme today for the show, it will probably be turkey. And no, we're not talking about the ongoing investigation into Mayor Eric Adams' campaign fundraising efforts, although we will touch on that in just a bit here. We're talking about the bird. And President Biden celebrated his 81st birthday yesterday, becoming the oldest sitting U.S. president in the process. He also hosted the White House's annual turkey pardoning ceremony, where he pardoned two turkeys, ensuring they won't be on the dinner table this Thursday or any time. I hereby pardon Liberty and Bell. Yep, those turkeys will instead live out their days on a farm. Congratulations, birds. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the WABC 5 a.m. news hour. So President Biden yesterday during that pardoning of the turkey ceremony said Thanksgiving is an important time to remember. We all have much to be grateful for living here in the U.S. And today's ahead. Our families and friends travel and come together to celebrate Thanksgiving. We can all give thanks to the gift that is our nation. And uh, I guess I could also say that the gift that somewhat keeps on giving is Biden's gaffes at events like this. And, of course, there was a bit of a gaffe at one point for Biden. Got the audio of it here. He got some uh, pop stars a little bit confused. Now, just to get here, Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds in competition. They had to work hard to show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or 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 Britney's tour. She's down in it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. Well, Look, he, folks, he, he meant the Eras tour and Taylor Swift. He did get Brazil right, however. Taylor Swift got her Eras tour restarted back on track last night in Rio de Janeiro after a fan died at her concert on Friday night. Now, this is because it was so extremely hot there in Rio 
Um, the city's been just dealing with more or less sweltering heat. And this guy, Joey, who's from New York, was there that night the fan died at the concert. The crowd was really struggling during this show. She could see the extent to which the crowd was struggling, and I believe that she was struggling herself. The young woman's official cause of death hasn't been announced, but videos of the concert show that Swift at one point was saying people needed water. And this fan who did die reportedly felt sick during Friday's show there in Rio, taken to the stadium's first aid center, then to a hospital. She died just an hour later after arriving at the hospital. And temperatures had soared to 102 degrees Fahrenheit throughout the concert with humidity of 70 percent. So the feels like temperature, as they say, was around 139 which is just horrifying. Don't forget, since it's the Southern Hemisphere, they are coming up on their summer there, kind of late spring for the Southern Hemisphere. Taylor Swift has since reacted to that fan's death with a public statement. Swift taking to Instagram to express her condolences, saying, I can't believe I'm writing these words, but it is with a shattered heart that I say we lost a fan earlier tonight. And that's correspondent Megan Fitzgerald. And so Taylor Swift, we said, performed there in Rio last night to make up for a show that was canceled on Saturday. And don't you know, that means big things for the sports world these days because the meeting of Travis, Kelsey, and Taylor Swift's parents is going to have to wait as a result. The families were set to meet last night at the Eagles and Chiefs game in Kansas City, otherwise known as the Kelsey Bowl, the rematch of last year's Super Bowl. But that's put on hold since Swift herself couldn't be there because she had that concert. And by the way, in terms of the rematch... This time, Philadelphia got a measure of revenge, winning 21-17. to The Eagles scored 14 unanswered points in the second half to get it done. We'll get more details from sit-in friends in the morning executive producer Justin Ellick. But because the Eagles won, it means he's going to be pleasant and cheerful and just all about, you know, nice to be around. So a good thing for our uh, co-producer engineer, Wrong Way Lou Rafino, by the way, as well. He can enjoy Justin Ellick being in a good mood. Over in New Jersey, at least South Jersey, they're happy about those birds. And we told you about the Washington, D.C. turkey pardons. New Jersey officials also pardoned a turkey yesterday. That'd be Travis, who was given a reprieve by Governor Phil Murphy at the Stu Leonard's in Paramus, where I actually just purchased three unpardoned turkeys a couple nights ago, the ones that we'll be frying on Thursday. Travis will be sent to a farm to live out his days in freedom. And by the way, the stats show more than 88% of Americans do consume turkey on Thanksgiving which amounts to approximately 736 million pounds. So what about the big bad tryptophan, right? That's the stuff that makes you sleepy. That's what we hear about after the big Thanksgiving Day meal, that the tryptophan and the turkey, I think it was John Madden who used to always talk about that. But really, the bird gets a bad rap when it comes to that after-dinner snooze fest. You can blame the bird for being tired after your Thanksgiving meal, but that blame is misdirected. Turkeys do have L-tryptophan, that's an amino acid, and it does make you sleepy. The British Medical Journal says to hit that food coma, you'd have to eat 12 grams of L-tryptophan. That translates to about 8 pounds of turkey. So in actuality, Nerdist says it's not the bird that sends you into dreamland, it's the carbs. I'm Bree Tennis. Well, that's something that makes sense. You do have a lot of carbs coming your way on Thanksgiving in addition to the uh, turkey. And there is no question, plenty of overeating and drinking is on the menu in the coming days for many Americans. Frank Morano on the other side of midnight had on former U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Jerome Adams this morning, and they got into a lot. It was a wide-ranging interview, as they say, and pretty interesting stuff. They talked about the opioid epidemic. Um, they talked about covid And, you know, we'll talk about that here because I've got some of that audio picked out. But the obesity epidemic was also a point of discussion. 
And Frank asked Adams about that, Dr. Adams, the former Surgeon General, as to what's causing that epidemic. Interestingly, there's a lot of parallels to the opioid epidemic. It's supply and demand. So number one, uh, we have an over-availability of unhealthy options out there, as you mentioned, high fructose corn syrup, salty foods, um, uh, sugary sugary foods. They're foods that are designed to be just like drugs, just like heroin. They're designed to be highly addictive. But we also have a high demand, and many people are self-medicating their pain uh, with food, so that's former U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Jerome Adams. You can hear that full interview at WABCRadio.com with Frank Morano. And we are going to get more into his comments concerning COVID, because it's pretty interesting, uh, some of his views on what the federal government did in response to the epidemic. WABC News Time, 515. And you know what that means. It's time to talk with Justin Ellick, the executive producer of Sid and Friends in the Morning. Thanks. To talk about sports. Thank you, James. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Happy, uh, what is it, Tuesday morning? Yeah, yeah, Tuesday. It's a short week, but it, it is moving, I mean, slower than ever. That My. tends to happen, doesn't yeah. it? When the holidays, like, late in the week, you kind of yeah. have to, like, you know, you're you're counting on it getting here you know, faster than it really does. I mean, I had a long night last night watching you that. You did. Uh, you watching stayed up watching the game that I'm sure you're going to talk about. Here. Exactly. So we Week 11 did wrap up last night with that Super Bowl 57 rematch between the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. After allowing the Chiefs to methodically build a 10-point halftime lead, the Eagles shut out Patrick Mahomes and company over the final 30 minutes. Jalen Hurts overcame a poor start in a cold driving rain to run for a pair of touchdowns, and his go-ahead tush-push, or brotherly shove, if you will, in the fourth quarter, allowed the Eagles to walk away with a 21-17 victory. With the win, Philadelphia improves to a still NFL best 9-1 overall on the year, while the Chiefs drop to 7-3. As for an update on Zach Wilson and his starting quarterback status with the New York Jets, he was indeed officially removed from that position yesterday by head coach Robert Sala, making way for Gang Green's new QB1 in Tim Boyle, who will start Friday against the Miami Dolphins at MetLife Stadium. Trevor Simeon will uh, be signed from the practice squad and will serve as Boyle's backup on Friday and probably moving forward. And Wilson will be the number three quarterback under the uh, NFL's new emergency quarterback rule. So he's not even the backup anymore. This marked the third benching in the past 13 months for Wilson, who very well might have played his last game for the Jets. On the hardwood, the Knicks, uh, Knicks, I should say, fell on the road in Minnesota against the Timberwolves by a score of 117-100. to Jalen Brunson scored 25 points to lead the contest in scoring, while Julius Randle would go for 21 for New York in the loss. They'll get to mull it over until Friday night when they welcome in the Miami Heat into the Garden. As for the Nets, they remain off until tomorrow night in Atlanta, where they're set to face the Hawks. And finally, on the ice... The Rangers blew a two-goal lead against the Stars and fall 6-3 to in Dallas. Vincent Trocek, Capococco, and Barkley Goodrow scored uh, for the Rangers before Dallas's Mason Marchment scored the tie-breaking goal in the third period. That would catapult the Stars to the victory. Still early in the season, losing has become a foreign feeling for these blue shirts who came in with a four-game winning streak, an 11-game point streak, and a club record 12 wins in their first 15 games. Six is the most goals They've allowed so far this season, who went into play, or that the Rangers, I should say, went into play second in team goals against average at 2.16. The Rangers along with the Devils and Islanders, for that matter, will grab a breather until tomorrow night. They'll be in Pittsburgh to face off with the Penguins, while the Islanders will skate at home with the visiting Philadelphia Flyers, and the Devils will be in Detroit to butt heads with the Red Wings. James, that is sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. 
WABC News Time, 5.20 a.m. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. So overnight, Frank Morano spoke with former U.S. Surgeon General Dr. Jerome Adams, and they talked a lot about the COVID-19 pandemic. And Frank asked Dr. Adams if the federal government could have done a better job. None of us did as good of a job as we could have or should have because uh, we, we've lost over a million people. Um, throughout the course of this pandemic, they, they, no no way you can you can say that that is acceptable. Number one, number two, we have to compare ourselves to how other countries did. And the honest truth is that when you look at infection rates, transmission rates in 2020 under the prior administration, we actually did about the same as most of Europe. And Dr. Adams also talked a lot about asymptomatic spread. He blamed at least in part, that not enough information came from China, came from Beijing, let's say, as things started to unfold. And he said that because medical officials didn't know so much about the asymptomatic spread for COVID, he says that's what played into mask confusion. Because basically, you know, Frank was like, well, what happened with the don't wear the mask, then you should wear the mask, then what happened with the mask, the whole thing. Adams got into that. That doesn't work if you have a disease that's spreading asymptomatically because you don't know that you're sick. When someone has the flu, you can see it. They know it. When half of people have COVID, they don't know it and they can't see it. And so that is why initially we said, don't wear a mask. You don't need it. Stay home if you're sick. And then we realized, oh, half the people who have COVID actually don't know it. So we need to recommend that they wear a mask so they're not spreading it to other people. So that lack of information really hurt us early on Which I think is pretty interesting when you think about it, because I know going back in my mind to that time and who wants to do that, by the way. But in terms of covid and this idea with the masks, originally the thought was, oh, it it helps, you know, you keep from getting other people sick. Right. Like the droplets that you might have, you sneeze, you cough, whatever. The mask keeps it in. And that's why you don't want to. That's why you want to wear it. But I feel as though and again, he talked about a lack of good messaging that, you know, public health officials need more help from people who are good at communications and stuff like that. He basically, I think, said it without saying it, that over time, people started to think, oh, this mask is protecting me from getting things into my nose, from getting things into my mouth. And I'm pretty sure, in my non-medical professional opinion, that that really was not the point. You know, in essence, what he was saying, Dr. Adams there, was because of asymptomatic spread, the mask was a thing. And speaking of COVID, Americans can order more free COVID-19 tests from the government if they wish to do so. COVIDtest.gov is offering those who already ordered their four free tests from the website earlier this fall an additional four tests. Those who haven't ordered any tests since the website relaunched in September can order eight tests. The Department of Health and Human Services said a total of 58 million free tests have shipped since September. Insurance companies are no longer required to cover COVID tests after the public health emergency ended last spring. I'm Mark Mayfield. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden here this morning on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. news hour. So that's the federal government, the New York City government, tightening its purse strings after enacting 5% cuts across the board last week in terms of government spending, impacting things like the NYPD, FDNY, trash pickup, The Department of Education libraries are going to have to be closed on Sundays in some cases. And with the sting of those across the board spending cuts still fresh, there's word of yet another round of cuts that will be coming down the pike. All this, at least largely anyway, because of the city's spending on incoming migrants. 
Now, we've also heard that, you know, amid the COVID situation, office vacancies are up. There's not as much tax revenue coming in. There's also the uh, COVID pandemic funding, stimulus spending that's drying out, sunsetting, drying up, I should say. And the New York Daily News is now reporting on a memo from Mayor Eric Adams' budget director that came out yesterday asking departments for another 5% cut just you know, weeks after the word first broke of these original 5% cuts. And the newspaper says Adams will spare the NYPD, fire department, and sanitation from these new cuts. But they do want to find more than $2 billion in cuts on spending for arriving migrants, which, you know, again, could be difficult to do because migrant costs are what's driving many of the city's deficits right now. And speaking of Mayor Adams and the Daily News, by the way, yesterday a new report came out concerning that ongoing investigation into his campaign's fundraising efforts. And we've also heard from City Hall that one staffer has been put on leave due to improper behavior. Well, apparently, according to the Daily News, that improper behavior by a top city official was at the hands of, let's see, what's her name? I have it here, Abasova, Rana Abasova who allegedly tipped her colleagues to delete their text messages after her New Jersey home was raided as part of this ongoing investigation. And, of course, this is from a source who spoke on a condition of anonymity due to the federal probe being ongoing and stuff like that. And the source says that Abasova's alleged conversations and her saying, hey, delete these texts, are why the FBI seized Mayor Adams' cell phones on a lower Manhattan street just days after that raid unfolded earlier this month. So you heard uh, the most recent sports update from our own Justin Ella just about 10 minutes ago. This is an interesting sports story that's really got nothing to do with sports, but does get into the realm of electronic surveillance, or at least allegations of improper data usage, really just outright stealing per the situation at hand in the complaint. We're talking about the legal situation involving the New York Knicks and Toronto Raptors. As in a court filing yesterday, the Knicks said they're seeking more than $10 million in damages from Toronto as part of a lawsuit that alleges the theft of thousands of confidential files. The Knicks also argue that NBA Commissioner Adam Silver should not be the arbitrator in this dispute between the Raptors and Knicks, in part because of his close relationship with Raptors Chief Governor Larry Tannenbaum. And the initial complaint accused a former Knicks employee of sending the Raptors Thousands of confidential files. This is somebody who, I guess, kind of left the Knicks and took a job with the Raptors. And apparently the allegation is that he took along with him play frequency reports, a prep book for the 2022-23 season, video scouting files, opposition research, and more. One, two, bring it to the phone. Snoop Doggy Dogg and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an intro. Well, it turns out Snoop Dogg isn't quitting marijuana after all, that's something that he had talked about on social media, but apparently it's not happening. We'll get into that in just a second. WABC News Time 529. So before the traffic update, we mentioned that Snoop Dogg had said on social media recently he's quitting weed, but it was all a ruse, a promotion, a ploy for publicity. As the rapper, known for his love of cannabis, posted a video Monday announcing his partnership with Solo Stove, a smokeless fire pit brand. This comes after Snoop posted late last week that he was giving up smoke and asked fans to respect his privacy. But now the rapper will serve as the official, and I'm sorry, smokesman for the brand. 
When we come back, the latest on the passing of former First Lady Rosalind Carter, updates from Minneapolis and the George Floyd case, and Elon Musk has sued Media Matters in a case that connects to the ongoing Hamas-Israel war, all while hostage negotiations continue. That and more, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. 77 WABC is thankful to broadcast 24 7 at 770 AM. WABCRadio.com and the 77 WABC app. Thankful to have the best hosts in talk radio. Thankful to play the best music with Cousin Brucey, Joe Piscopo, Vinny Madunio, and Tony Orlando. Keeping you company for 102 years. Thank you for listening to 77 WABC. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Good morning. James Flippin filling in for Noah Layden on this Tuesday, November 21st. Here's your Ramsey Mazda three day weather forecast. Partly cloudy around the tri-state this morning. Increasing cloud cover will get up to 51 degrees. Later tonight, rain a little warmer getting into Wednesday, as tomorrow there will be a 40% chance of rain during the morning with strong wind gusts getting up to 23 miles per hour. And Joe Nolan was saying how that's really what makes a mess of things at the airports is those wind gusts. Thanksgiving Day, mostly sunny, the high near 52. Black Friday, mostly sunny, topping out at 49. 34 degrees in Midtown Manhattan, 33 in Watchung, New Jersey, 35 in Manhasset, out on Long Island. And that's the weather forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. So the U.S. Supreme Court has rejected an appeal from the former Minneapolis police officer who has been convicted in the killing of George Floyd. That means Derek Chauvin's second-degree murder conviction and sentence will be upheld. Chauvin's legal team tried to argue that he was denied a fair trial due to prejudice and publicity around the case. The now 47-year-old is currently serving a 21-year sentence in Arizona. I'm Lisa Taylor. And this as a new documentary is out, which gets into the George Floyd riots, their response, the trial of Derek Chauvin. It's called The Fall of Minneapolis. And Chauvin has put out some comments here from prison, speaking to the Daily Mail, the UK Daily Mail. Uh, He said the whole trial was a sham. And as for that documentary, journalist Liz Collin produced it. Now, her husband, Bob Kroll, is the former president of the Minneapolis Police Union, so that should be taken into context here. In fact, some people have actually said there's a conflict of interest going back for years because Colin, uh, Liz Collin, Kroll's wife, has covered a lot of police issues. But in this documentary, the claim is made that this was produced in a bid to expose what's being framed as a global rush to judgment in the case. And Colin, uh, through her reporting, alleges that this was fueled by Democratic officials and eventually led to a spread of crime across the U.S. The documentary suggests things like that Floyd's autopsy was altered by the FBI. It says Democrat officials and prosecutors rushed to judgment to prosecute. They talk about in some cases that there were some prosecutors who didn't feel you know, comfortable with the pace and sort of the aggressiveness of the prosecution. And by the way, the fall of Minneapolis, the documentary, can be viewed for free. It was crowd-funded by that reporter, Liz Collin. Funeral services will be held for Rosalind Carter this coming Monday 
in her native Georgia. The next president of the United States, my husband, Jimmy Carter. Rosalind Carter was outwardly shy with a soft southern accent, but had an iron will and was her husband Jimmy's closest White House advisor. It's always been my wife of 63 years that uh, made it possible for me to do whatever I've done. And over the years, we've become not only friends and lovers, but partners. So, yeah, those funeral services will be held on Monday down in Georgia. Meanwhile, hundreds of Georgia congregations are leaving the United Methodist Church over a divide on LGBTQ issues. The North Georgia Conference of the United Methodist Church voted Saturday to accept the decision of 261 congregations to leave the denomination. As of August, more than 6,000 Methodist congregations of just over 30,000 in the U.S. have been approved for disaffiliation since 2019. In recent decades, a number of traditional mainline Protestant denominations have splits over homosexuality and related issues. In addition to the United Methodist Church, they include the American Baptist Churches USA, the Episcopal Church, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, and the Presbyterian Church USA. I'm Scott Carr. Tesla CEO and owner of X, formerly known as Twitter, Elon Musk, is suing Media Matters for defamation, alleging they defamed his platform X following a report that says major brand ads appeared next to posts touting Hitler and the Nazi party. Musk and X have faced backlash since the report was first published on Thursday, causing several major advertisers to pull ads from the platform in response, including Apple. Filed in a U.S. district court in Texas, the lawsuit claims Media Matters manipulated the platform. Now, I was reading some posts about this on X yesterday. Generally speaking, what the social media platform is claiming is that Media Matters created some accounts had those accounts follow certain other accounts, maybe ones that were, you know, again, related to uh, Nazism or, you know, anti-Semitism and stuff like that. And then, allegedly, again, according to X, they would hit refresh on their Twitter platform, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times. Hit refresh, hit refresh, hit refresh. So that those ad impressions would hit on accounts like this. The ones that are, you know, following these, you know, Hitler lovers or Nazis or whatever it may be. So that's the claim from X. Media Matters has responded to this uh, lawsuit that was filed and said, we'll win. You know, we would totally stand behind our reporting and stuff like that. And Musk has taken time this week to specifically address claims that he's anti-Semitic. Now, we'll get into some of that and what his response was in addition to the lawsuit in just a second here, WABC News Time, 537. James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 5 a.m. news hour. So Elon Musk pushing back on claims his platform X has linked ad content to Nazis or anti Semites. He's also pushing back personally in terms of allegations against him, as Musk has taken to X to address what he calls hundreds of bogus media stories that claim he's anti Semitic, saying that, quote, nothing could be further from the truth. Musk added that he only wishes the best for humanity and a prosperous and exciting future for all. Now, this is all part of the ongoing, you know, fallout, disagreement, fights that are happening between people, sometimes normally allies, over everything that's going on with Israel and Hamas. And basically, in this case, Musk was responding on X to a post where someone said members of the Jewish community 
have previously promoted hatred against white people. Now, this was kind of saying that there's some Jewish people who are associated with progressive left-wing policies, things like Black Lives Matter, stuff like that. And Musk responded to that message and said, that's the actual truth. Now, in response to something like that, you could probably understand it's not much of a leap where some people would say that's anti-Semitic, that Musk would say that. Um, it's not just Elon Musk that's dealing with some of this. If you've heard anything about the ongoing fallout between Candace Owens, a political commentator, a conservative, and Ben Shapiro, a conservative commentator who happens to be Jewish, they both work for the Daily Wire, and they've been fighting over this issue because Owens is a little more critical of Israel, and Shapiro is a you know outright Israel supporter. So amid this drama... The conservative group that helped launch Candace Owens' career, the David Horowitz Freedom Center, has released a statement disavowing its years-long association with Owens, citing her ignorant, hateful, and morally obtuse remarks about Israel and the Jews, they say. Now, Owens, a former blogger who rose to become a prominent social media personality and podcaster, has been caught up in this nasty back-and-forth with uh, Shapiro, her co-worker at the Daily Wire, and it got bad enough to where Shapiro said, hey, why don't you quit the Daily Wire if you want, Owens? And it's not clear if that situation is, in fact, headed for a breakup because Shapiro isn't the CEO of the Daily Wire, even though he is one of its founders. The White House, by the way, working to secure the release of hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. National Security Spokesman John Kirby telling reporters yesterday more work needs to be done in order to broker that deal. Um, but he basically says it's as close as it's ever been. And this coming amid other reports that the negotiators are getting pretty close to potentially getting some hostages released. And that dates all the way back to that October 7th terrorist attack, the series of terrorist attacks. At least a dozen Palestinians are said to be dead after Israeli tanks reportedly surrounded a hospital in Gaza and fired into it over the weekend. Israel had yet to comment on the situation. This at the Indonesian hospital, where hundreds of people are said to be sheltering. But, you know, again, Israel accuses Hamas of using hospitals as shields. The whole fog of war thing gets especially confusing with the back and forth with hospitals and, you know, places that you would think would not be targets for military. But if, in fact, it's being used as some other type of thing, then, you know, seemingly it would be targeted by military. A new poll out shows a majority of Americans support Israel in its war with Hamas. The Harvard Caps Harris poll finds eight in ten respondents say they back Israel, although that support is more prevalent among older Americans. A majority also say they support those four hour pauses to help get aid to civilians in Gaza. But the respondents also, as a majority, think Israel has the right to continue its military operations until hostages have been released. A man who won the $1.35 billion Mega Millions jackpot is suing his ex-girlfriend for telling his family members about that lottery win. The main resident, who anonymously claimed the jackpot earlier this year, filed a lawsuit claiming that his ex-girlfriend, who's also the mother of his child, breached an agreement that they had to keep the win confidential. The lawsuit says his ex signed an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, but ended up telling his father and stepmother about the jackpot win, the man asking her to name every person she's told and pay a $100,000 fine for each NDA violation. That's interesting. You know, I know there's some states, I think New Jersey, by the way, where you're not allowed 
to anonymously claim the jackpot. And I would certainly think that if you could do it anonymously, it'd be better because you know everybody's going to be hitting you up and saying, hey, um, you know, I got some expenses, I got some bills, trying to go on a vacation, you throw me a little bit, something like that. WABC News Time, 545. Going to throw it over to Justin Ellick for sports now. Justin? Yeah, you wouldn't give me any money if I asked. Um, like, you know, if you won the lottery and I asked for money, you wouldn't give me any. It, you know, it depends. I, I think that it would depend on what you needed it for. Come on. That's the truth. If you, if you said, I'm trying to go to the Eagles Super Bowl, I would say, well, you know, I'm not so sure about that. Right. It's like a want and need sort of distinction. Exactly. Right. Right. James, he needs it. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> Just go on that. It is. It is more of a need, really, with him and the Eagles. Yeah, that's fair. That's true. That's true. Well, well said, to the Eagles. Here we go. Week 11 wrapped up last night with a Super Bowl 57 rematch between those Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football. After allowing the Chiefs to methodically build a 10-point halftime lead, the Eagles shut out Patty Mahomes and company over the final 30 minutes. Jalen Hurts overcame a poor start in a cold driving rain to run for a pair of touchdowns and his go-ahead tush-push or brotherly shove. Take your pick there. In the fourth quarter, allowed the Eagles to walk away with a 21-17 victory. With the win, Philadelphia improves to a still NFL best 9-1 overall on the year, while the Chiefs drop to 7-3. As for an update on Zach Wilson and his starting quarterback status with the New York Jets, he was indeed officially removed from the position yesterday by head coach Robert Sala, making way for Gang Green's new QB1 in Tim Boyle will start Friday against the Miami Dolphins at MetLife Stadium. Trevor Simeon will uh, be signed from the practice squad and will serve as Boyle's backup on Friday. And Wilson will be the number three quarterback under the NFL's new emergency quarterback rule. This marked the third benching in the past 13 months for Wilson, who very well might have played his last game for the Jets. On the hardwood, the Knicks fell on the road in Minnesota against the Timberwolves by a score of 117-100. to Jalen Brunson scored 25 points to lead the contest in scoring, while Julius Randle would go for 21 for New York in the loss. They'll get to mull it over until Friday night when they welcome uh, the Miami Heat into the Garden. As for the Nets, they remain off until tomorrow night in Atlanta when they are set to face the Hawks. And finally on the ice, the Rangers blew a two-goal lead against the Stars and fall 6-3 in Dallas. Vincent Trocek, Capocacco. And Barkley Goodrow scored for the Rangers before Dallas's Mason Marchment scored the tie-breaking goal in the third period. That would catapult the Stars to victory. Still early in the season, losing has become a foreign feeling for these blue shirts, who came in with a four-game winning streak, an 11-game point streak, and a club record 12 wins in their first 15 games. Six is the most goals they've allowed so far this season. They went into play yesterday uh, second in team goals against average at 2.16. The Rangers, along with the Devils and Islanders, for that matter, will grab a breather until tomorrow night. Uh, they'll be in Pittsburgh. The Rangers, that is, to face off with the Penguins, while the Islanders will skate at home with the visiting uh, Philadelphia Flyers, and the Devils will be in Detroit to butt heads with the Red Wings. James, that's sports, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. All right, thank you, Justin. On this Tuesday, November 21st, James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden. We spent a lot of time this morning talking about birds, turkeys, the Eagles, who won last night. How about Flacco? Nature lovers will be happy to know that Flacco, the Eurasian Eagle Owl, has returned to Central Park, specifically an oak tree inside the park where the owl is spending his time. Flacco flew the coop at Central Park Zoo after somebody vandalized his enclosure in February. He spent time wandering up and down Fifth Avenue. He's been seen over the Central Park Reservoir. He was down in the East Village last week, but now back in Central Park. And last night, a significantly more well-known longtime New Yorker made his return. Gentlemen, my guest tonight certainly needs no introduction. Please welcome back to the Ed Sullivan Theater, Mr. David Letterman. 
Yeah, after eight years, David Letterman was back in the Ed Sullivan Theater last night to that standing ovation. Uh, the legendary late-night icon was a guest on CBS's The Late Show, the show he hosted for nearly 22 years, starting back in 1993. Host Stephen Colbert welcomed the man he was he replaced for his first appearance back on the show. And at the end, Letterman even took his old seat behind the desk. Actor Wayne Brady is recovering after getting into a car accident that ended with a fight in California. Brady's car was hit by another vehicle in Malibu on Sunday night when Brady and the other driver pulled over. The two apparently got into an altercation that turned physical. The other driver fled after the fight. Brady called police, and that other driver was eventually arrested for battery, DUI, and hit and run. Brady, the actor, reportedly just a little banged up, taking it easy for the time being. Of course, that person, the other person, really should have known better and should have known not to mess with Wayne Brady, because if you recall about 20 years ago, on the Dave Chappelle show, it was a hilarious sketch, and it was presumably touched off by the late comedian Paul Mooney's commentary in which he said, Wayne Brady makes Bryant Gumble look like Malcolm X. So Wayne then had a real heel turn on the show. Chappelle brilliantly brought him on, and in the skit, he forces Dave Chappelle to do drugs, they get into all these wild situations, and then he shoots Chappelle in the leg at the end before driving off. Oh, Dave. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently, you know, road rage incidents with Wayne Brady. Maybe you should think twice. Sharon Osbourne says she's lost 42 pounds taking Ozempic, a drug developed for the treatment of type 2 diabetes. While the weight loss effects of the drug have been noted, the wife of rock icon Ozzy Osbourne has told the Daily Mail she can't put any weight back on and is becoming gaunt as a result of taking the drug. She warns people not to give the drug to teenagers because she says it would become very easy to become addicted to the weight loss. And so be wary of those risks and, you know, never do take anything like Ozempic without a doctor's instruction. But you might need something after packing on the pounds for Thanksgiving. And as you get ready to prep the bird, if you're cooking a frozen turkey, you're going to need to thaw it out soon. But experts say it's really a bad idea to leave it on the counter while thawing. Meredith Carruthers is with the USDA's Meat and Poultry Hotline. She says by the time the inside of the turkey thaws, the outside has been at room temperature for hours, allowing bacteria to grow. Thawing in the refrigerator is going to be the safest method of thawing. Carruthers says you need to keep the meat below 40 degrees so bacteria can't grow and you'll want to plan ahead. It'll take about 24 hours for every five pounds of turkey. Thawing at room temperature is the thing that kind of dooms people's Thanksgiving from the start. Those then could create heat-resistant toxins that won't be killed by the cooking process. And then if you eat those, it could essentially make you sick. And if you have any other questions about your meal prep, you can call USDA's Meat and Poultry Hotline at 888-MP-HOTLINE. Most Americans say they're hoping to avoid politics at the Thanksgiving dinner table. A Quinnipiac University national poll shows more than 6 in 10 Americans would rather not talk about the subject. On the other hand, just under 3 in every 10 said they look forward to discussing politics this holiday. A news release from Quinnipiac University's polling analyst says a healthy dose of Zip It will be on the menu this year. 
Former President Trump can more freely talk politics now as a gag order hearing involving one of his federal cases has ended. The limited gag order from the judge in his 2020 alleged election interference case was frozen until the three-judge panel can consider how to balance Trump's free speech rights. Prosecutors have claimed the order is necessary to protect witnesses, prosecutors, and court personnel from intimidation. But Trump claims the Obama-appointed judge has inserted herself into the 2024 race by restricting his ability to speak freely. In terms of polling and Trump and President Biden, three in five Americans now believe President Biden knew about his son Hunter's business dealings. That's according to a survey from Harvard's Center for American Political Studies, Harris, Harris X and the Harris Poll. A majority of respondents also said they believe the president aided his son's business, but 40 percent say they don't think so. All right. Well, polling we will stick with that for America for a second here as a slew of polls show Americans could make Donald Trump the first president since Grover Cleveland to be elected to non-consecutive terms. It's President Biden's 81st birthday. The White House has no big parties planned, and that could be because many, like these New Yorkers, think he's just too old to be in the White House. We don't have a leader. I don't feel confident. What is our position on anything? You could see these like celebrity Democrats, too, are starting to come out and make comment, and you could see the shift starting to happen, thank God. A new NBC News poll worries them for the White House. It shows Trump leads Biden now 46 to 42 percent among voters between 18 and 34 years old. Noam Layden, WABC News. WABC Time Check 556. So if you're not a turkey person, don't worry, you're not alone. The New York Post has a story up talking about lasagna for Thanksgiving as volunteer chefs are making and delivering more than 100 lasagna to Gothamites who say they could use some carbs and care this Thanksgiving. Madeline Young is a 27-year-old leading these efforts, says that she wants to bring New Yorkers in need a lasagna to comfort them no matter what their situation is. And she's from Brooklyn. Young calls herself a lasagna mama. She's the head of the Manhattan branch of Lasagna Love, which is a national network of volunteers that cook and deliver the comfort food to those in need, and they pay for their ingredients out of their own pockets. And individuals can request that hearty meal via the Lasagna Love website, where they will be matched with nearby volunteers. WABC Time Check 557. WABC Time Check 559 right now, sponsored by Belova Watches. And you can check out those Belova Watches at Macy's. Discover finely crafted timepieces available at Macy's. Executive producer Justin Ellick of Sit-In Friends in the Morning has more now on what to expect with Sid this morning. Thank you, uh, James. Tuesday morning on Sid and Friends in the morning. Coming at you in just a couple of minutes. Bottom of each hour, you don't want to miss the minicast clip of the day. Today it'll feature the Cats and Cosby program in the way of guests. Kicking things off early here at 6.45 a.m. It'll be Artie I. Dollar before Curtis Lewa live here in studio at 7.10, as is the case daily. Then we'll do Rich Lowry. He's usually on Monday mornings, but he'll be on this morning at 7.45 instead this week before Miranda Devine making her return to the program at 8.10. She's got a great new piece out. Siggy Flicker will join us at 8.45 this morning before we get the great Mayor Rudy Giuliani on the program for his weekly Tuesday morning segment at 9.10. And then we'll do Joe Murray at 9.30. He'll wrap things out today. James, happy Tuesday morning. Thank you very much, Justin. And this is James Flippin filling in for Noam Layden on the 77 WABC 5 a.m. News Hour. If you're going to be out on the roads today, about a 30% chance of rain. 
It sounds like that weather, the worst of it, comes in tomorrow with the wind gusts and all that. But best of luck if you are traveling, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I'm James Flippin. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to prioritygold.com.